The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. <sighs> Shit. Shit. Don't touch the sand. Bad guys in the sand, dude. That's why you gotta sit on your clothes. Woo-hoo. Fuck the beach. We're sitting at the beach because we're doing an owner off-site, meaning we're not at the stove. We're not at any store. We're not at any of our houses. We're in Different places, fresh perspectives. Everything's gonna be covered in sand. For the, like the sun next is out. The living's <laughs> forever. Easy. You're fucked. I'm so screwed. I quit. I'm probably gonna have to come back with my family. <laughs> come back and bring <sighs> the dog. Gina. This is a great place to bring your dog. What did we figure out today? Uh, well, we figured. What did we figure out today? We figured out a lot of ideas. We figured out our approach, some of our approaches to the future. We figured out that we want to have clarity in roles. What did we figure out today specifically? I think we figured out like 10 different things. We did figure out 10 different things. Now maybe not figure out. We, uh, we like identified <laughs> 10 different things. I do and think we identified our most clear next steps. And then all yeah. the, the minutiae that comes with those next steps we did not figure out. But I think we did identify... Four different things we are going to, five probably to six different things we're going to move into, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. Chris's role in department. Yep. Future of uh, specific business ventures uh, and growth, i.e. around kind of retail and roasting, right? Yeah. And that was actually two things of that thing. <laughs> two things. <laughs> that was a two Alex's new initiative that's the, happening. Yep. And then there's the offshoot of... What what should we call it? Uh, it's right education. It's, education. It's, it's, it's growth help. It's growth and I hate development. To say the word consultation because it sounds it kind of consulting is like sounds dumb. Business when, and culture development. Yeah, whenever I hear someone say they're consulting, I just assume they're out of a job. Yeah. They don't have anything to do. So they're, I'm a consultant. Like uh-huh. they got fired by three companies in a row, so now they're a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd call it, yeah, That's business and people development yeah. offshoot that I think K-Hut and I are going to bring some heat to. Surprise, K-Hut, when you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Just spoke for you on Just, the internet. Just uh, spoke for you. You can always say no. I'm still going to do it whether you want to or not. In front of everybody. So I'll you do can it. come I'll, with. I'll go with you. That'd be fun. Yeah, dude, I'll follow you into the dark. I mean, I'm down. Yeah. Death cab. I'm ready. When we teach together, it's always really fun. We have a good time. And people learn a lot and people feel excited. They really do. They, they give really us do. their phone we numbers. Do. They say, call me. You want to be in my wedding? <laughs> you want to be a wedding singer? What can we do? <laughs> so we meet every Friday. Today's for, Thursday for, a, for us, though. For a few hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to add another meeting into the mix. What day should we add into the you mix? You know, we didn't figure that out. We didn't yet. figure that ah. out. But I'm gonna, can we figure it out in front of everybody on the podcast? Nope. No. I guess not. Uh, not. Yeah. I mean, look if, at if, calendar. It, if it's Radio Thursday sounds. and Friday, I can. <laughs> those are like the, off the top. Those are the two hot days. Yeah. Tuesdays are actually. There's a chance Tuesday. Ooh, Tuesday I could probably pull between one and three. That's a semi-short time, but I could probably pull a Tuesday one to three. Tuesday one could, fifteen to three specifically. I got therapy twelve to Tuesday noon. Would locked in. Yeah. yeah. Tuesday might work for me. Seems like so no we could do a Tuesday Friday. Me, so it seems like nobody <laughs> wants to hang out. Sounds like there's nothing you could do. Seems like seems like you're powerless. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm committed. It seems like. So we, yeah, we figured that out just Fucking now. Tuesday is Let's fire. <laughs> yeah, it's fire. You know why? Because we just spent the first four plus hours talking about all this stuff, that, and so now we've like our brain space our is pretty are, disheveled. Yeah. Out. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about this? though? I was thinking about um, growth and scale of a company. Let's take our company for example, or any coffee shop. 
if you say, let's say you have one coffee shop. You open, you have a coffee shop. Maybe you roast coffee, maybe you don't. Um, is under the assumption that you want to use your company to build some sort of some sort of brand. And what I mean by brand is brand is not everybody has like a brand, right? Okay. But when I'm talking brand is we're trying to bring like a bigger cultural promise or to yeah. shift yeah. the culture at large to be noticed as a quote unquote brand. Yes. Scaling scaling the business isn't as easy as just adding more cafes and more labor to go into those cafes. So let's say you have one cafe and the team it takes to run it. If you double that up and add another cafe, triple that up, add a third cafe, the sum total of all the energy input, um, human power that you need is not just one cafe times three. No. Which no, I'm learning, and some some of that might seem obvious, but I'm learning that the inputs that it takes to make the company function are like way greater than I ever thought. Yeah. Sure. In terms of like ironing out all the little things that revolve around getting a bunch of different people to move in a singular direction. Yeah. I think it's interesting <laughs> to note when you see businesses, the one I seem to know the most is Disney. They have, first of all, more resources than we do, so they can allot this, but they do have an ability to execute because they have more people specifically in charge of focusing on less things, and therefore those things are very well-maintained, organized, and operationalized. And when you grow like we do, I guess exactly to your point, you don't have all those extra people. Even though we've done a pretty good job of selecting the right people to oversee those things, we are still, we have moved in such a way where we don't necessarily have all the content set and therefore, those people that we have aren't able to specifically just focus on, like, corralling, enforcing, operationalizing, like, you know, teaching and, and sustaining what we have. You know, they're in the process of both building, implementing, and learning to sustain all at the same time, which is hard. <laughs> yeah, and there's those fuzzy people that don't necessarily fit anywhere but are super necessary. So, yes. you know, now we have this HR person. It's like, you don't really have an HR person when you have a cafe. Mm -hmm. Dedicated education person. You don't have an education person when you have one cafe. You might not even need one if, if you have a couple cafes because depending on the the level of expertise of your owners, right? they absorb most of that just like we did in the early years. Like the education is on us, right? The human mm. resources, that's on us. All of the minutia that comes along with running the cafe is on you as an owner. Right. And if you're looking to grow the brand, you have to like dive out into all these these different ways. And the conversation, just to add like another another level of transparency into the mix that we were just having around marketing and, and brand continuity is right now we have more opportunity in a department like marketing than we're able to respond to as a company. So there's these things that end up going to nowhere if you don't allot someone to do them. Like, hey, I want to make a shelf talker. Cool. Right. Who do I talk to about it? Who designs it? Who has the time to do it? And how do you figure out how to build in that time and also make money? Yeah, it's Don't have the answers. Sure don't. Um, I was listening to Seth Godin's podcast again, and he talked about the idea of Slack, not the software, but building Slack into into your day or into your schedule as mm. as a leader, right? Uh, allowing for some flexibility to be able to tackle these like big, crazy, weird things if they come up, or be able to take on really enticing projects at a moment's notice. Yeah, <clears throat> and he used the interesting analogy of a like a uh, a fire station. So you got firefighters at a fire station. So one way to approach a fire station would be to take the average number of fires of the average size on the average day, and then you staff the fire station to accommodate for that average, which is not too different than the same way that you would staff like a cafe. Sure. Yeah. Right? you like, I expect to do this much business. We need this many people to do this much right. business. Um, and that's how it works. The problem Everything's fine if everything's completely average, but there's a problem when you have above average number of fires or fires that are larger than average, and all of a sudden you don't have enough firefighters, and it's a weird feeling to be like, well, sorry, we just don't have enough people to help. <laughs> 
So the model that they employ is you overstaff constantly. You have people who are, quote unquote, sitting around eating chili for three hours at a time. <laughs> and Classic firefighter <laughs> move. Classic firefighter <laughs> move. And then when the big things do happen, you can be responsive because people's lives are at stake. Mm-hmm. And he doubles back on it a little bit and makes the point that they're not actually sitting around eating chili. They're going to homes and businesses doing fire inspections. Right. They're using it as an opportunity to do education, to educate people around fire. Basically, not incredibly productive, like low stakes, like semi-productive things that kind of can be bailed on at any time. Right. And using that mentality as a leader, which I, I've seen in the past, I have the tendency to overbook myself like a motherfucker. So I'll like fill out my calendar and then realize that I have no ability to field the things that just yeah. naturally come up. Right. Same. And that's been kind of a struggle too. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I got to make sure I'm working on something all the time. And it's like, you know, 10 to 11.30 chunk, and then I'll have, like, a five-minute break. And then, like, (laughs) 11.30 to 12, and then the day goes. And and no time to even just feel really cool or just have good conversations. (laughs) I don't know how I segued in that. Well, no, I think think it parallels kind of what we, in a way, agreed upon today, right? We agreed to, in a way, not pump the brakes, per se, but not aggressively grow in the way we've aggressively grown so far. Because we have set people aside in a way, right, who theoretically should have the time to tackle when they are. They're tackling a lot of projects. The difference is we see the need for all of these foundational projects that are going to allow us to be free to do all of those things you're talking about in our own way. And until those are done, (laughs) we won't have the freedom to essentially work on the people, the basics, the things that come up to tackle all those projects. And so we're overexerted. I guess the, the difference is we're not trying to add a bunch of new cafes to continue to slow that process down. We're trying to see that process through and then, you know, whereas up until this point we've set, and, and we should stick to our current growth plan of finishing up Swift Street and crushing the game because that's going to allow us to bring in the right income for ourselves and some of those people in leadership and more. It's killer. It's key. But I think that kind of works totally perfect in parallel because if we just stuck with our last two cafes, kept these people in their positions and allowed them to just run what was in front of them, we'd probably have a pretty quote unquote semi-flawless system, but we wouldn't be poised to necessarily grow bigger, easier, maybe. We'd be poised to grow bigger. We just wouldn't be bigger. We wouldn't have the, we wouldn't have the ability maybe to, to bring on people and sustain that growth to that point maybe is what I should say. Yeah, it's a... It's a catch-22 feeling. It's like a fucked-up conversation. Yeah. Because at the same time that you're trying to provide opportunity for people always, mm-hmm. you're also trying to make sure that everything that you do is super dialed so that it actually feels good to be at work. Yeah. And that's like a, that's a, a strong balance. And I wonder how it feels in other states, because I know the balance is really strong here because it's just really expensive. Is it expensive to live here? I think it's expensive to live here. I think generally working in coffee is a low, a a low wage. So many, we did those questions last week. And one question that we didn't answer, which a lot of people wrote in was, what am I supposed to do? I, I want to be in coffee, but I just don't make enough money. Or I've been working here for three years and there's like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? Or what's the next top three professions that someone transitioning from coffee or like out of being a barista can go into bartending Uh, different world you go from mornings to staying up till the early wee mornings yeah the because the funnel the funnel for baristas actually fucking sucks right there's as of now there's a funnel that's like i mean as of yeah it kind of always I mean, has. I, yeah, like, it, yeah, as of current and the past. But, I mean, totally. Yeah. I guess what I more was saying is that we're trying to figure out ways past that. But, yes, as yeah. of now. I don't know. Not, is there a way past that? Uh, the only way. There's ways past it in a way, I think, in ways of, like, offering the kind of experience that people will pay for and having retention in such a way where you can bring in enough money that you're able to cycle it back through your business. It'll take a different business model than the most standard ones. Yeah. I mean, I think the only way that I see to do it aside from if we, if you took like 
having a, a decent rate of turnover, you mm-hmm. know, not, not a, a super aggressive turnover. And the current economics of a cafe is that you need a business outside of the cafe and probably outside of wholesale too, that generates enough passive income for the business that allows you to actually pay people more, not necessarily in relation to what you're doing. Right. And then it's like, at what point does like, at what point could someone actually learn a earn a living wage being a barista in a place like California in the context of the economic structure that a cafe provides? Well, I'm going to call on Chuck in a sec, and I'm going to throw out, I think, two ideas that kind of work together. The one is the ability to have a partner pro employee partner program, which we started. But the other is if you could become liquid enough in certain cafes that the people who work in that cafe, all of the profits and things can get refunded back specifically only for the people who work in that cafe. So it's like, you know, even though it's not an insane amount of money, right? You're still getting paid your salaries. That This is obviously with the prerequisite that your company is doing well enough that the other means, which are like wholesale and some of these other things we've talked about, are able to funnel money in to support everybody not in those cafes, right? In some way. Right. But if you had a cafe that there was salary plus all bottom line profits got refunneled in, I think you'd have people who'd want to stay there for a long time, and that would boost if you had 10 people and the bottom line came out to 150 grand, you know? You give them each salary more evenly split of some sort, plus their 15 grand a year on top of that, and it ends up being more interesting to be there. It's not perfect, but I think there's a way for that to become... It's it's a way. It's not the way, but right. it's a way to make it more enticing and more of a sustainable career, considering you maybe don't live in this area of California. You know, if you lived in Chico, where I grew up, and you were able to make whatever, 50 grand as a barista, 40 you'd probably grand, be okay. you'd be real happy Yeah, for a long, long time, and you'd be having a really fun, fun, fun career. And that would, if it happens there, then, you know, you go through basically the rest of America through to the other East Coast, and that works in most places. So do those numbers shake out? Let's say you have a cafe with 10 employees, and everyone gets 50K, like the bot. That would assume that you're probably employee owners also? I mean, it would just, yeah, it'd be like a cooperative cafe, like a right? Co-op. It'd have to be a co-op. So everybody'd probably make some sort of, yeah, if you called it, so sure, say everybody, everybody did... 50k plus 40k plus 45k plus tips let's do 45k plus tips and so tips aren't included right so that's you have give amazing service and hopefully do that and your cafe averages 20 25 to 2800 dollars a day uh is that like a viable business considering you know everything's paid for and that's just like all recirculating as a single entity could that happen do you think chuck Speculation aside, not yeah. no, you know, yeah. I know you're an analyst, so it's gonna be hard. Yeah, I mean, I think it could. I think it'd be a, a really interesting experiment, and I don't think anyone's really doing it right now. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of problems came up, right, um, within that kind of structure that um, that maybe you didn't foresee. For sure. And to try to kind of like brainstorm those in the beginning, and to see. Um, yeah, to see if it really did work and if everybody, I mean, one of them would be, does everyone, would everyone want to split, you know, would everyone want to get an equal split, totally. which comes into like different people working, you know, if not everybody works exactly the same, mm-hmm. should everybody benefit exactly the same? Yeah, it's a little um, socialist vibe. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> I can see there's a socialist vibe to it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm trying to do this real quick. Okay. So let's see if we're doing like. 50 grand, right? You do the math times 10 people. What, that's 500 grand? Is that what that is, Chuck, right? 500 grand divided by 12. So your payroll is like 41, 42 what? I mean, grand I think, a month. Like, so what, I mean, if you're making in California, the minimum wage is like $12 an hour. It's like 30 grand plus tips, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you were kind of in the ballpark with getting to like 45 yeah, or 50. Yeah, 45 to 50. Yeah. So, like, in general, if every if everything, say, everything works perfect, that's a model that could work. And if you're doing 50 and then everybody somehow averaged out to another $6 an hour in tips, which is about kind of give or take what yeah, you Yeah, I mean, I think of, like, hours. another industry, like, um, I was listening to um, 
like that podcast, How I Built This. Yeah. And the woman that started uh, like the Fat Tire, mm-hmm. what's that, New Belgium? Yeah. yeah. When she got older and retired, she sold the company to the employees. So actually, like New Belgium is an entirely employee-owned company. And yeah, I mean, I think that'd be a really interesting experiment to see. I don't know if there's any coffee company that it'd be so be if any yeah i'd love to hear if anybody has any experience from hearing about like a totally co-op run or employee-owned mm-hmm. coffee company um you know what kind of challenges they have or if it's really like an amazing place to work that provides a livelihood for everyone and that they feel good about like yeah I'd, I'd love to hear if anybody's doing that right now i mean it would take a lot of essentially like predetermined expectation you know you'd have to really work out expectations i think on the flip side you'd get a lot of pride in the place that you worked at if everybody was so on the same page and on the same team and sure you're right i think there would probably have to be caveats in that like if somebody's working 30 hours a week versus the person who's working 40 45 hours a week then there probably have to be discrepancies but maybe it's like the average all in is 45 grand across the whole thing plus tips it might be I, I know for sure you'd want to, I mean, if Costco is starting people at 40 to 45 grand is kind of like their thing. It, it used to be, maybe it's 50 grand nowadays. That was like the Costco thing. You get hired at Costco, you make 50 grand a year or something like that. And that's why people wanted to start there. If you're able to do something like that and, and have that service industry, if you're the person who liked it, it'd probably be pretty attractive. And then if you worked with a team and you were really tight, it'd be really fun to kind of feel like you were a unit together. That bonding would be really heavy. But you're still a little bit, that's that's it. And so for some people, that's that's not enough. And for other people, that's perfect, you know, to have a job that it's, you kind of can bank on what you can bank on, and they like that life, right? I know what I'm getting out of this. I know what I'm putting into this, and that's that. Yeah, I feel like you hear about it more. There's a few, like, beer companies. Full Sail that, does it, too. Yeah, Full Sail is the beer I, company. I'd be yeah. interested to learn about that more, too. It seems so... It's obviously attractive on paper. Right. It seems you read fucking that. terrible, though, right? Like, I what's don't know. their executive structure? Who makes the decision? Well, that's who knows. That's like, the who, thing. Who drives the culture? Like, where does leadership come from? Right. If everyone makes the same, then everyone's just a guy. Right. And then, then it's like a bunch of bunch of weirdos in a room. <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> I think this, and someone's like, I think this. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely caveats to it. There's got to be some sort of something built into it. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I th- but I think even within any like leadership structure, there's uh, you know leaders at the top who everyone there respects, and that there still be some kind of a little bit of some kind of hierarchy. There could be within that where people respect the person above them that's making decisions. Right, and that person probably gets paid more money. Yeah. So then you're into a structure that's not too different than the regular cafe, whereas you have. Someone head of the dragon. So let's take a cafe. No, I mean, I think it'd be different than that because all the money would be going back. You'd have you know, right. one or two people maybe that made more than everybody else, but everybody else is still sitting The base like rate would be higher. 45 or 50. So for regular cafes, let's take our cafe. What keeps us from putting the money back in and paying everyone 55K? Yeah, I think it's more because that money goes into the company as a whole to try to... Um, provide and look at like the company we look at like the company as a whole versus looking at maybe just one cafe as like its own ecosystem and then what's the advantage to that you think like why are we better off with that than running individual cafes where everybody makes living wage yeah what do you think what do i think um i think the ability to feel like you're part of something that's really really special and larger than just one location is really compelling that's something that really drives me to communicate what we do as a brand and to make to want the brand bigger and i think the um, the end game of that is you have more potential for bigger cultural change when you have a bigger engine so by us growing in the way that we have we have a bigger engine for the cultural change because i think we we talk about things in terms of doing really well for our employees and I'm passionate about that. But for me, our employees are really just the tip of the iceberg. They're super special to me. And they make everything that we do possible. But the force multiplication that can happen after that, because of, the, of, a, of a business of scale, means that we can actually change people's perception of what it means to be in business, which is hard to do if you just have one cafe. Yeah. 
Well, and even if we operated our cafes like that, what that could also mean is for somebody to maybe want to step out and expand and grow in different areas, they would have to downgrade themselves maybe, you know, like if you, if you came and you were making a certain amount and you built your livelihood on that structure we spoke of in the single cafe, and you had to take a step down to actually come out and be in a different part of the business, that would potentially be a bummer too, which would stifle what you were just talking about, the ability to culturally impact, but also your ability to maybe be agile and learn more different portions and styles of business and whatever. Personal growth is always available where you're at for sure, but there's probably dynamics to that that are missing if you're slotting to only solely be in a cafe. And with our whole business being kind of whatever, symbiotic, <laughs> yeah. somebody could still be primarily a cafe team member in the, in the long-term future and explore other avenues while living their life out as a retail team member and continue to grow and try other things. Therefore, I guess growing their overall quality as a team member and a influencer in, internally and externally while, yeah, anyway, whatever. You get it. You get where I'm going. You yeah. get where I'm going. They can do more, become more dynamic, become more engaged. They have more, more opportunities fulfilled. for learning because there's a greater ecosystem around exactly. them. Exactly. And I don't know what those exact things are, but we've seen it already. And yeah, I mean, if we were to have that structure at Locksville into only working in the cafe versus being able to maybe work in the cafe 20 hours a week and somewhere else in a t- another 20 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever people ask that question, like, how do I earn a living wage as a barista? My initial thought is, you don't. You absolutely do not. I I don't think the infrastructure is there yet on enough of a scale where people can or should go out and be in the mindset of, I'm going to be a barista. I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. This Mm -hmm. is going to be my jam. I think you'd be setting yourself up for severe disappointment. If you want to do it because you love it, because we all did it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I fully bounced on college to go make coffee for people because it was what I wanted to do. But I think there's so much fluff out there. I don't think think anyone's set up to, to put you in a position to earn a living wage, especially in California, as a barista right now. I don't think it's... It's not happening right now. I think the model that we just talked about could work and we could probably in the future do a couple cafes that way for those people who are into it. Cause I do think, I mean, in other cultures, people do do that and they enjoy it. That's why we love, I, I love learning about like Italian culture and some of those places where people just put their foot in the sand and do the thing they love forever. Oh, I think that's awesome. I just don't, it's not the American culture. I just don't think it's the American culture. Right. And I don't think I'm, I'm more speaking on what people's expectations should be versus, you know, it sucks to get caught in a dream world. No, I hear you. And the reason I think the finances are so interesting, because we're talking about a bunch of different things. Some of them we do, some of them we don't do. But for the average American cafe, it's a pretty standard business model that it's not going to support a great number of people earning a living wage simply by making people espresso. Right. And I'm not arguing whether that's good or bad. It just seems to be the way it is. I'll throw a caveat in there. I actually fully believe the style of cafe that could do this and actually provide like a a better living than what we even suggested is the kind that I would say is a mix between like Hayes Valley Kiosk and Dutch Brothers. And if there were four to five people who could just crank out their four to $5,000 days, which they do, at least they used to do at Hayes Valley, they'd do like 5K with three people on, you know? Yeah. If you were doing that and those were all owner operators, the only thing that would hold you back, so you could make a good living with that, right? You could like crush it if you found a way to like split that up appropriately and put all the funding back into you because there's low footprint, low, I mean, the labor becomes the highest cost, right? Right for the sake of sustainability, the thing that you get stuck with then is the ability to be free and go do other things. You're there. You're there. You're so a business like, owner and you're there. Yeah. And if that's what you want, I actually think arguably, and then Dutch Brothers is a similar thing, right? Really low footprint, really high volume quality. They do automatic everything, bang it out, only espresso. And that's probably why Dutch Brothers work so well is that they're able to just like 
they're not paying their people probably that well and <laughs> they're killing volume and everything. But I do still pretty firmly believe if the people were willing and wanted to be happy and just like roll the door up on their thing, kill customer service for six to eight hours, 10 hours, pull in 5k and go home. That might be a great living for somebody if all the money was just circulated back into that business. And you would actually probably be able to make more like 60 grand a year doing something like that or more plus tips. Yeah, it could be. But then that brings up the second point that I always tell people, which is you probably don't want to be a barista for the rest of your life. <laughs> Most people don't. Most but people some don't. people do. You might think you do. Yeah. Some, some people do. A lot of people don't. I think people think they do when they're young because I thought the same thing. Yeah. And then once they get past, once they've done it for... Six or seven years, they're like, cool, maybe something else. Right. Which is, it says less about the profession of making coffee and more about human nature. It's more about I the think. human nature. It's yeah. not, I mean, I don't think people are designed to do one thing for their entire life. Yeah. I think people have passions that are embedded into them. Like, I keep coming back to some of the same things that give me energy, but if I had the same job for my whole life, I would be severely bummed out. Yeah. I think that's possible, but I also think of chefs when I think when I hear you say that. And yeah, I, but they don't do the same thing. They for don't their whole make life. the same yeah. drink. Over they don't and make over the same again. drink. They don't even right. work in the same restaurant. Well, why? To, most because likely. it's not fulfilling anymore. Right. They have like, why is David Kinch opening up more restaurants? Right. Manrisa is already food. awesome. Yeah. He's fucking bored. Right. Like just like every other person who's been doing the same thing every day for a decade, it's boring. So is the or it's maybe it's not boring, but it's not challenging. Right. I was yeah. gonna say is the question then how do you make the coffee and cafe experience more enticing, more exciting, and more challenging in a similar way as a chef might with a different restaurant. Because it's harder, right? I mean, the economics make it weirder, right? And the, <laughs> the social norms well, around it make it stra- more strange, right? The, the ingredients, ingredients more, even though they're, quote, unquote, really, uh, you know, volatile and crazy. And I mean, d- coffee is the fucking best deal on planet Earth, bar none, right, right. now. If you're into fancy food, really fancy n- feast. gnarly, if you love fancy feast cat food and you just <laughs> want to scarf it down like that white, purry, beautiful cat, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I, you can't get the best of anything for the price that you can get the best coffee of. That's it, true. It's an insane deal. It's ridiculously undervalued. It's under. It's underpriced for a boutique item. The stuff that's the best is underpriced. Oh, yeah. We definitely all can agree on that. But the cultural cultural norm has the squeeze on it. You know what I mean? It's like people want to pay this much for coffee now, and they're probably happy tracking with inflation. How does it compare to beer? Beer? Dude, I don't know beer that well, but I know that when... Because I, I don't know the like the margins of beer, yeah. but I know that people are willing to spend more on beer. Like when people do bottle releases or cases of bottle, like people spend hundreds of dollars on beer. I think the margin on and proper, wi- yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, and wine is like a whole different level. You know, if you go in and you want the best wine, or you're looking at getting the best champagne or the best cigars, like you're spending easily hundreds of dollars right. for a bottle for a cigar, right? And the and beer's different too because there's zero labor That's associated with it. Like yeah. you hand someone a bottle or you pour them out of a tap, it doesn't require skill to serve or prepare a beer. Yeah, you could serve a hundred beers and about the same time you could serve thirty coffees. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where your model comes in is just like crank, crank, crank. I think the margin on beer is a little lower than coffee, but the ability to put it out with less labor and more of it. I mean, all the, like, if you look at Beer 30, which is this really small building with a bunch of room around it, it's packed out, and there's like two people working behind the counter. They have no special skills. There's something to be said about how long most of the people stay at that place. They must be bringing in some cash moolah, different culture. It seems like a, yeah, it's, it's, we're working against a lot of things. And then wine in, is a similar thing, in right? In the coffee I industry. Mean, we should have Wesley on here from Vineyard 7 yeah, and 8 to talk about just cool. like the economics of wine actually be a great idea. That would be a really amazing. Wesley, you're getting team. called out if you listen to this still. <laughs> I know you were listening to it in the past, but it would be really fun to have you on to talk wine and, and just the, the whole sustainability, cost structure, the whole nine, yep. the business of wine, especially because you're doing it at kind of a high level, kind yeah. of a really high, a level. high level. Your wine is very delicious. And, and I guess <laughs> Shout it, out to Vineyard 7 and 8. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's funny because we, we've got a, a lot of, there's a lot of good ideas that are thrown around, but it, where it leads me back to is if 
you want to make a living as a barista, plan on doing it for yourself. Don't plan on... It'd be highly unlikely that you were able to land a job that was going to then just take care of you. You almost... You have to... You have to fucking pay in to the cultural change that you want to see. That's the so, thing. So let's say there's uh, everybody wants to know why they can't earn a living wage being a barista and like my job sucks, my boss is a fucking idiot, all these things are bad like we're we're at this we're at this dipping point where there's this there's this kind of chasm that we need to cross and to cross it what we need is for you the people that write in about those things, the people that want the world to be different, you have to be the people that are going to take action. Which, yeah, that's which true. these are the same things that kind of forced us into action with this company. 100%. But sitting back on the sidelines in the current, the current state of affairs and being like, no one's going to pay me enough. This is just lame is not going to be productive for you. It well, sounds totally. a little, I feel like I sound like I'm being harsh, but no, that's it's, the just, truth. it's just the truth. Like there needs to be enough of a critical mass of people who want to make that change that need to be on the tip of the spear to make that shit happen. I mean, I think that's true. So, I mean, I think we're trying to do that, but we can't be the only... In the same way we, we give our vision to our people, it's like we have all these ideas and all these things that we talk about in orientation and everything, and we express it to them in the context of, and we will never be able to do this unless you come with us. And that's essentially the same thing you're saying to the world right now, and it's absolutely true. We're trying to do it, but we actually can't be the only company, and we're... Hopefully not the only company, but we're the loudest company talking about this. And if we are the only company moving in this direction, then it's going to take a shit ton longer than if more people jumped on board. And then even to back into that, just because that's how my linear brain works, it's like in order for us to even be able to start paying people at the base level more, aside from the minimum wage at California being 15 in the near future, we have to be able to grow a business big enough to support itself on top of the ability to pay those people and that's a whole other thing it just means we have to have more ambitious and intentional business owners coming up that are not in it for the end goal specifically of producing the world's best coffee which is why we talk so much shit about those mission statements about providing the best coffee in my local community ultimately that business will only be there for the business owner and that's actually just like the harsh barge truth Right, you have to grow in order to provide for anybody other than yourself as a business owner. Yeah, you need to grow to a certain level. That Jared, you mentioned a lot of things that I was gonna jump in on, but take them. Yeah, no, but it, you need people with like as owners with the intention that you're gonna split the pie with the rest of the people in the company. That you're gonna provide equity to employees. That you're gonna provide uh, profit sharing. That you're gonna provide. Uh, you know, 401k stuff that you're going to take money out of the business to give it to people beyond what just their standard uh, wage is. And I think in coffee, with the way that economics are set up, that's really what we need in the industry are more like forward-thinking owners who are trying to think about ways to bring everybody up with them. I think that's absolutely true. It was probably for a whole different conversation I think it'd be really interesting to continue to connect with people and maybe do some of this with Ben Hameen in places, but how could, how could we as an industry start getting creative at, in other countries through, I had a conversation with a dude who's NGO bought a washing station, right? And he's hearing about our business practices. And while it doesn't work exactly the same, he's like, how can we start working some of those similar business practices into working with farmers in other countries through the washing stations and so on and so forth and the processing mills so that it's not just about the people who work in the mill and own the mill making the money. It's about figuring out how ways to spread the wealth in other ways than just like you brought in quality, you get a little bump. No, I think it's the same thing in that you don't have the people at the top making 10x what the people at the bottom are making, that you have intentional people at the top who maybe used to be just like, us. <laughs> yeah, it used to be entry level in different places and, you know, realize how tough that is and create a company with a bigger mission and vision than just to enrich themselves as much as possible. So you can do the same thing with a washing station if you run a good business right? where you can take part of that money that's made through whatever model that uh-huh. business allows and pour it back into the people that work there. 
Well, and let's be real, too. I mean, like, we are also trying to ultimately long-term make money for ourselves, more money than we currently make. So, like, this isn't 100% like zero interest altruistic only out. But the point is it's it's a little slower for us so that everybody can win. We still want to grow, too, along with everybody oh, else. Oh, for sure. Right? And that's that's the difference is this is... It's just a slower model that is more beneficial to more people in the long run and in the stead of the model that maybe gets you successful and your five friends around you really successful and then kind of keeps you in the hamster wheel of redoing everything over and over and over and over again yourselves in the long run. So what, and we're still a far away aware from where we want to be. Yeah. Way far. So interesting question would be, what do we have to do? Let's say Cat and Cloud as it exists right now. What are some benchmarks that we, have, we would have to hit if we wanted to pay everybody who worked in the cafe a living wage? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I would qualify it as, I mean, right when you start, do you want to pay everyone like a little or do you want to pay people who demonstrate that they're like committed to the company, that they're crushing it and doing a good job? And that are there some like qualifiers? I'd say there's qualifiers for sure. Right. Yeah. So maybe not everybody. Maybe the how many how many employees does Portola have that are just straight employee Who do we have? Probably like 12. 12. Are you saying like all in or are you saying like non team leader employees? Uh, team leader included, because you'd have to I have think a team at, leader like, at a cafe that also like made 13, a living wage, 12 to 13 right? people. 13. Right. So sure. pr- probably, what, half of those people? Yeah, because, I mean, mainly because, again, half of them are part-time yeah. as well. Um, so if you took, like, half of the full-time, and then maybe you took, like, the top 80%, or, like, right? Like, the really, if maybe everybody's crushing it, right? Maybe that full, like, six or seven people. Yeah, then I think you could start uh, right providing benefits down onto them based on how the whole business is doing. Right, but I, well, I guess more specifically, what would we have to do to get there at Portola? Like, what would uh, our gotcha. business overall have to look like? Yeah, I mean, that's where how we look at the business is a little bit different, right? Because we talk about looking at the business as like a whole ecosystem yep. versus setting it up solely to benefit certain people in one part of the business. Right. Okay. So I'm using Portola as an example so people could kind of draw parallel to one cafe, but we wouldn't do it just at Portola. We would do it across the business. Mm. Right. That's why we do 10% profit sharing for all retail, not just Portola. Right. Right. But there's also a big difference between what we're talking about. Like we do not pay our people a living wage. Well, in Santa Cruz, no. Baristas uh, in the cafe. We also don't get paid a living wage in Santa Cruz. (laughs) Totally. I'm right there with you. I just like, I'm just trying to paint the picture for people who might be listening, thinking that if you come to work for us as a barista, you make 55, 60K. Yeah, no. Which is not the case. So I'm not saying that we're doing. You're saying, how do we get there? I think we're doing great Mm, things aside all around. Like, I love the stuff that we do. It makes me super proud. Like, I'm so proud of our business, but I'm saying, like, if we're talking about these things that could be a reality, what would our reality have to be if we were going to make that our reality? Let me throw something out, and then you tell me how close I am. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, this is sick. So, sick. so <laughs> this is the best time. I mean, we obviously have to grow our wholesale partner program and allow for that program to not just be one way, i.e., bringing money in. It has to be a sustainable program where we actually partner and help other companies grow. We need to obviously finish Swift Street and probably add a cafe or two more in order to bring in and become liquid where and pay off all the cafes that we've previously had so that we're yeah. not paying any debt in our SBA loans and all that bullshit Yeah. And then we have to add some additional revenue streams that I don't want to share tons about, but we've talked, you know, because they're a little early, but those two revenue streams that we're talking about adding are ones that are high margin, correct? Correct. That's the right word. Yeah. I always get them High backwards. productivity. High productivity yeah. because the value is huge, but the amount of people it takes to run them are small. Therefore, it's valuable on all levels. And if those things come all into play on the level we expect them to, then we should be in a place where we can begin doing that, at least with our most senior employees that are not already in like the leadership ownership level, right? Right. Give or take? Give rest guesstimating? Yeah, I mean, I was going to like reverse engineer it as like... Do that. How many people (laughs) do you want to... Like how much do you want to bump up people and then how many people do you want to bump them up great question what do you think a living wage is here oh that's 
With that literal living wage, bro? Have you have you Googled it? No. 70 k no, Uh-uh, it's Seven. more. Dude, it's disgusting. I mean, I look at rent prices. Bro, living wage Santa Cruz? Uh, no, there's no chance. Bar- Dude, we're going to have a hard time getting there. Living wa- <laughs> I'm serious. Living wage Santa Cruz. Are you ready for this? I'm, this I don't think up. I am, actually. <laughs> I know, I'm a little, a little afraid of you what you're going to say. Jared's oh, on the geez. Google right now, trying to find this out how poor we actually living are. Living wage ordinance, Santa Cruz County. Was that fair to look at, Chuck? Is sure. that a good one? Yeah. Ordinance coming in hot. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you could make it more general. I mean, I think in my like SCA talk, I looked at like, you know, like uh, what is it, like middle income, and you know, talk about like sixty thousand dollars as like a salary or as like an income across the country that yeah. in most places yeah. would you know, provide you an all right standard of living. So as a single person, right, trying to, like, n- not live on their own, right, living wage? Right. We're talking seventeen thirty-eight an hour bottom line if we provide benefits or 19 if we didn't provide benefits. What, what is, uh, that actually that's, doesn't seem high that's enough. Like, but that's, like, for just, like, an, a height, like, in college person. That's not like a person with a family. That's not a person like. I mean, you yeah. Can't I mean, get I don't think that's really that. applicable to like many people that are listening. I think like, like you said, if you took a number like sixty thousand dollars and you said, "Hey, maybe baristas right now are making closer to thirty. Yeah. So you're gonna essentially need to double you double them up people's salaries. So that's like thirty grand per person. Then you could talk about how many people you're uh, trying to do that for. Yep. And I think you start getting into some big numbers pretty quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cray, dude. But the system would work where it's, a com- it's, it's, it's again, we're back to a combination of bringing in money from an outside source, right? And making everything as liquid as possible. Here's what it's supposed to be, dude. If you are one adult, your required annual income after taxes... <laughs> I like how it says required. Oh, man. <laughs> you are required. One adult's pretty chill at this exact moment. It's what does like, that mean, though? This is just say? like typical. It's just like an average, right? So this but isn't even that legit. If you go to one adult, one kid. It sounds like it wasn't high you're enough You're supposed for to be you. at like 56 grand of income after taxes. I mean, after which is taxes. probably like 75. That's 75 Basically, you're bucks. supposed to be around over 80 grand for two adults. It's, it's intense. Right, but I mean, I think. I mean, do you think you could actually? Yeah. So what? Two is, adults, two kids. You're supposed to be around a hundred grand. Do you think you could actually have an apartment here for fifty-six thousand dollars? Not by yourself. Well, kid? by yourself, you. Oh. It's the opposite, though. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. No, not with a kid. By yourself, you could have an apartment at fifty-six grand. But if like you and your partner. Yeah, if you both worked and split if you wages. Both work. Yeah. But if you were if you're a single income one person, a single apartment's going to do like fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a month. Where? I want to move there. <laughs> For one room? <laughs> oh, a room in an apartment. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm talking like if you wanted to live. Like, like a one-bedroom apartment? No, I mean, they're well, probably like I 21, 22, right? When I think about a living wage, I don't think about someone living with roommates. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? When so I you think want about, to live by yourself well, as a single yeah. person? I, I'm, if you're, <sighs> reverse engineer that and see how cheaply you'd want to live on food. You know, if you're trying to, get, if you're trying to earn a living wage, it's probably you don't want to live with your roommates forever. <laughs> you're trying to do your own thing. You're like... It's switching from a, a job to a career. Well, if you want to go by the you know, Dave Ramsey method. I love Dave. So if you're doing a $2,200 place, you're going to get 26400 bucks a year. So if you want to do that times two, right, that's that's 50%, which is not the Dave Ramsey. No. You need like, to be at fifty two, almost $53,000 for a 50% of your income going to rent. 50%? But nobody, yeah, nobody recommends that 50% of your income to. goes to rent. Yeah, nobody recommends that. But in Santa Cruz, I think that's what you mostly yeah, do. Yeah, mostly it should be like a fourth to at most a third. 30% yeah. tops, right, yeah. is what you're looking at? Yeah. So if you're doing thirty percent tops, you're gonna want to live at sixty-five grand as a single person to be able to afford a twenty-two hundred dollar place. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty gnarly. And twenty-two hundred for us is actually cheap. Is a deal. I know, and that's very sad. Yeah, it's so it's pretty heavy. We're working hard for the people because it's, there's no yeah, way to fix that. But I mean, I think just for everyone, going back to it, it's like the things you can do are, you know run the best business you can and then find ways to take some of that income that the business is generating and to to give that back or not to give that but to reward mm-hmm. you know your people appropriately in the best way you can the ones who are driving it forward and changing the game right yeah 
For sure. And on the on, on the employee side of the thing, like if this is an industry that you want to work in, you're probably going to have to have a little bit of empathy with your boss and the people who own the business as long as they're trying to do right by you because it's this is not a templated situation where there's a cut and dry thing like this is what you do to be a professional here yeah. or this is how a really good coffee company runs because that hasn't hasn't really it's been like the established. government like pay scales where you're like one, two, three, four. Yeah. This is how much you make. Yeah, and uh, general. I mean, may, I'm just pulling shit out of my ass right now, but I, I feel like people who own coffee companies are on the younger side of things. They're generally, in my experience, not the most experienced business owners ever. Right. Totally. Right. Dude, like, can you imagine getting to thirty percent of our wage being our uh, rent? That'd be so sick. <laughs> Let's do it. That should be the goal. We'll all live together. That's how we do it. We can do that now if we all (laughs) live together. But no, it's like going back to, as a barista, being intentional about the businesses you join and understanding who the owners are and what their intentions are. Where they're going. Yeah, where they're going and what their ideas are about where the money from the business goes and that transparency and owners who have intention about where the money that their business generates goes. Yep. And that as a barista, you don't just join whatever the coolest or like what you newest think the place is. in town. Yeah, totally. That you actually um, take the time, whether it's through trial and error or some other way, like talking to other people that work at that company to get a reflection of like how do the people there reward the team, the team members. And, and is that someplace that you could see yourself growing? I think we should leave them with that to think about. It's pretty. It's pretty good advice. PGA, check them out in SoCal Village. Thank you so much for supporting Cat and Cloud. Bye. <laughs>